My name is Nicholas Danforth, and I'm an editor at War on the Rocks. You are listening to The Warcast, the members-only podcast for what you need to know now. On Tuesday, Bulgaria signed a deal with Turkey to allow it to import natural gas through Turkish terminals and transportation networks. To discuss what this means for Southeastern Europe's energy security, we're joined today by Dimitar Bechev. Dimitar is a lecturer at the Oxford School of Global and Area Studies and a visiting scholar at Carnegie Europe. He's also the author of Turkey Under Erdogan, How a Country Turned from Democracy in the West, as well as the book Rival Power, Russia and Southeast Europe. Welcome to the Warcast. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about the recent deal with Turkey, um, you know, specifically what it actually entails, and then what it's going to mean for energy security more broadly. So since uh, Bulgaria got cut off from Russian gas supplies, which happened uh, in in April, because of this commercial dispute to do with payment in rubles, uh, it has been relying on, uh, to some extent, uh, on liquefied natural gas, that is LNG, and has been using on an ad hoc basis uh, capacity at Turkish LNG terminals. Now, this deal, which is for a period of 13 years, basically um, officializes the relationship and makes it possible for the state uh, gas company, Bulgargas, to reserve capacity. Um, because it was not a given before. Uh, it, it, it required probably some political lobbying. Uh, that was the case last August when the uh, government, the then government, was calling Ankara to intervene. Uh, and now this is put on a permanent basis. Um, beyond uh, the terminal, um, what is interesting is probably Bulgaria will be tapping into a storage site, which is now being expanded. It's next to Silivri. Um, some of your listeners who follow Turkish affairs um, probably think about the prison facility which is there. Uh, but there is something more to deliver. There is also a gas storage site, um, and that way, uh, basically, Bulgaria ensures that uh, if uh, they manage to contract uh, suppliers, uh, including U.S. suppliers like Chenier, uh, which delivered the cargo last August, uh, there will be a place where you can offload it and regasify it and then transport it to the Bulgarian border. It also makes it possible to do it uh, on a long-term basis because uh, as any energy company, uh, also LNG uh, suppliers prefer to have uh, long-term contracts rather than um, trade on the spot market. It creates predictability. So this is the very short version of of what was uh, agreed on Tuesday. And what are the implications for Bulgaria's energy security going to be and what benefits, if any, will this have for other countries in the region? Well, this allows Bulgaria to import additional volumes of of gas. Uh, That's in addition to um, 1 billion cubic meters uh, coming through the so-called Southern Gas Corridor uh, that runs uh, through Greece all the way to Azerbaijan, to the Caspian Sea. And now it's connected to the Bulgarian grid. Um, So this is probably the the Turkey deal allows for another uh, 1 BCM billion cubic meters and that together is about two-thirds of the annual consumption uh, in the country um, of course energy security is more multi- multifaceted uh, 
thing. It's okay. It actually doesn't consume that much gas overall. Just to put things in perspective, Hungary, which is often in the spotlight, and it's a country of 10 million, of course, versus 7 million in Bulgaria. But Hungary consumes 10 million BCM versus 3 in Bulgaria. So it's a factor of 3. And it has to do with the fact that uh, gas is much more common with households. It's pretty much everywhere in Western Europe because of gasification. That's not the case in Bulgaria. Um, but yeah, I mean, it makes it easier for Bulgaria uh, to find commercial partners, uh, disentangles the long-standing relationship with Russia. Although, uh, as a footnote, and maybe that's a good segue to our conversation from this point onwards, uh, Bulgaria has a very uh, close connection to Lukoil, which is a big Russian uh, oil trader and refiner. And probably oil is much more important uh, than uh, natural gas uh, when it comes to energy security, but also the economy. Well, let me ask about that, because I know there was also, I think, the LNG pipeline with Greece that just went online in December. Now there's talk of an oil pipeline with Greece that would presumably enable Bulgaria to diversify its oil supplies. Can you tell us about that? So it's not an LNG pipeline. It's a pipeline full stop. Uh, it, it helps Bulgaria import the Sazeri gas that I mentioned before. Uh, but it's good to mention to bring in LNG into the conversation because um, there is another project which will probably come on stream at the end of this year or maybe early next year for floating regasification and storage unit next to Alexandropolis. That's a port city in northeastern Greece, just at the border with Turkey. Uh, just to offer a parenthesis, uh, it's one of um, the logistical hubs that the U.S. military uses to supply uh, Ukraine from the south. So we know about the Polish corridor, but also there's uh, Alexandropolis, which is as a railway running to Bulgaria and then Romania all the way to Ukraine. Uh, closing the parenthesis, uh, the Allergy storage capacity and gasification unit uh, will probably bring even more gas into this connection with Greece. Then will then be uh, also directed to other places, including Romania. Some of it will probably reach Moldova, which has been under strain, and some of it will probably go into Serbia, which is now working on interconnection uh, with Bulgaria. So this is a huge deal. Uh, this. This thing, uh, there has always been a U.S. interest in this Greek-Bulgarian venture. Um, the former ambassador, Jeffrey Pyatt, was uh, very much involved as the ambassador to Greece. Uh, some of the uh, cargoes that will be, be gasified there will be coming from the U.S. Uh, and that's one of the nodes in the 3C initiatives, the initiative that has been developed by U.S. allies in Central and Eastern Europe as well. So that's that's the big big development coming up in the next twelve months or so. That's an old idea uh, to bypass the Bosphorus with oil pipeline. Back in the day, uh, it was about Russian and maybe Kazakh oil being shipped from the Black Sea towards the Aegean in order to avoid the congested congested Bosphorus. Uh, it came also after '94 when the Turks changed the commercial ships. Uh, a regime import, uh, hiking up the charges for tankers. Now the idea is the opposite to use such a pipeline to ship uh, crude oil from the south towards the north. 
Well, it's a preliminary discussion. It's not a given that there will be enough commercial interest and it will be an economically viable thing, but it's a part of a conversation now. And it's a, a very different stage than the gas projects that we've been discussing. Now, as a final question, let me ask you, how have Bulgarian attitudes towards the Ukraine conflict evolved in general over the last year? It's a hotly contested issue. Um, Bulgaria only in November took the formal decision to uh, supply arms to Ukraine. And we still don't know what sort of weapons will be delivered because uh, political opinion is split with some parties in favor and others uh, vehemently opposed because they see Russia as a friendly country and don't want to go against it. Um, there's another side of the story uh, which is worth mentioning. Bohemia has a huge or relatively sizable military industrial complex, which is operating according to uh, Warsaw Pact specifications. In other words, all these munitions uh, needed for Ukraine, the famous 152 millimeters millimeter shells, are produced at scale in Bulgaria. And for months on end, there have been flights going to Poland from Bulgaria. So it's a well-kept secret, or maybe not well-kept secret at all, that Bulgaria has been supplying Ukraine to the back doors for Poland, and now this cooperation has become official. But yeah, it doesn't mean that it will be less controversial. It's very likely we have another round of elections uh, in the coming months, and I would be surprised if Ukraine uh, will be front, right, and center in the political discussion with some populist parties, but also the former Communist Party, the Socialists, trying to um, instrumentalize it to rally voters. And so what is that discussion going to look like during the elections? I mean, what are the arguments that both sides are making? Well, some sides, there are two positions. One position is saying we have to be acting in solidarity with our allies in the EU and NATO in Ukraine is under attack, so we have to do our share. Um, also, it's a way, good way to get rid of Soviet equipment and uh, get the uh, U.S. and other uh, Western European allies, replace it with more advanced gear. And there's another side of the argument, which is not actually arguing that Russia is in the right. It's saying it's not for Bulgaria to intervene. That's very dangerous. There's a sort of soft pro-Kremlin line, if you will, uh, rather than saying that we have to put in uh, in this war of aggression. It's just Bulgaria is too small. Let's not uh, stick, stick our neck out. And uh, that's how we're playing out. And uh, of course, some of that is not genuine because uh, going back to the Socialist Party, they were in government when all those deliveries were taking place uh, through Poland. But for their voters, uh, many of whom are diehard, uh, Kremlin supporters and nostalgists for the good old days, they have to put up a show that they are resisting. And also they're breeding support to the populist force that I mentioned briefly. So there's an internal dynamic also within the camp of those who are skeptical towards the West and have a closer relationship with, with the Russians. Thank you so much for joining us on the Warcast. 